Good afternoon and welcome. It's midday. I'm Tom Hall. Thanks for hanging with us. I appreciate it. Justin Fenton from our partner news organization, the Baltimore Banner, reported late yesterday that former Baltimore State's Attorney Marilyn Mosby's defense team has asked to withdraw from her case. In their motion to withdraw, the attorneys say that Ms. Mosby has consented to having the Federal Public Defender's Office take over her defense. Mosby is charged with two counts of perjury and two counts of making false statements on a mortgage application. Her trial is set to begin in March. David Jaros is the on the faculty of the University of Baltimore School of Law, where he's the faculty director of the Center for Criminal Justice Reform, and he joins me on Zoom. Dave, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine, thanks. So um, let's start first with the uh, attorney for Marilyn Mosby, A. Scott Bolden. Uh, he's been accused of the court of some violations, and that's what's led to uh, his team uh, asking to be withdrawn from the case. What is he accused of? So the judge notified uh, Mr. Bolden that he should be prepared to uh, respond to a possible criminal uh, contempt charge based on a few things. One is that he criticized court rulings using profanity in front of the courthouse in a well-publicized um, uh, press event. He also disclosed confidential juror information in a court filing, and that is a pretty serious issue. And then another issue is that he's not actually barred in Maryland, so to submit papers, he needed to have them co-signed by a Maryland lawyer, and he failed to do that. So those are the basis of the contempt charge. And um, uh, when he does things like he included confidential juror questionnaire information uh, in a filing he made in September, um, why is that frowned upon? What, wh is that all of that information from potential jurors supposed to remain secret? Uh, it, it is. It's supposed to stay outside of the public eye, um, and, and it's for a variety of reasons, both in terms of affecting the outcome of the specific case, but also that we want to encourage just free and open disclosures by jurors, and those shouldn't come out. Now, those were disclosed in an attempt by Mr. Bolden to argue that, in fact, the jurors in, in Baltimore had developed already an opinion about the case, and that was an argument for why uh, it was either unfair to prosecute her or unfair to prosecute her in Baltimore. Ultimately, the attempt to move the case outside of Baltimore failed. And uh, the, the uh, U.S. District Judge, Lydia K. Grigsby, who's hearing this case, uh, said that uh, these the violation of these rules would involve the imposition of criminal contempt sanctions. What does that mean? What is what does Mr. Bolden potentially face uh, as penalties in this matter? So contempt can be pretty complicated, and there's sort of two basic types of contempt. There's civil contempt, and there's criminal contempt. And the main difference is that civil contempt is generally used to try and compel someone to cooperate with the particular process. So uh, many will remember that in the Barry Bonds case, um, the witness, his trainer, was held in civil contempt in an effort to sort of force him to participate and be a witness in that case. Civil Criminal contempt, on the other hand, is very different. Criminal contempt is the idea that the court wants uh, believes they should punish a particular person um, for failing to respect the authority of the court or the court's rules. And it's not forward-looking. It's really looking at what was done in the past. And if there were a hearing or a trial uh, about whether or not he's guilty of these uh, criminal contempt uh, accusations, uh, obviously I would assume that Judge Grigsby would not be the person to hear that trial. I mean, this would be a totally separate matter, right? 
in in all likelihood it would when it doesn't involve there are, there are criminal contempt cases for example where it involved direct attacks upon the judge and and the law is very clear that in those cases where there's sort of the personal activity of the judge um it's supposed to be tried by another judge um where it just involves violating court rules for example failing to file with another Maryland lawyer's signature or including the confidential information um from the jury just uh jury statements there it is not required but it is strongly encouraged that that when reasonable when it can be reasonably achieved that we have another neutral juror, a judge appointed and i would expect if it goes that far that that's what would happen David Jaros of the University of Baltimore School of Law is my guest. We're talking about the motion from the defense team for Marilyn Mosby to withdraw from the case. So, Dave, um, I have a copy of this motion that uh, was submitted to the court. And in it, uh, they say that the counsel, in other words, Mr. Bolden and his team, there's six of them, um, have a conflict and we can't represent Miss Mosby any further. So we move to withdraw from this matter. But they do have to get permission from the court to be removed. Is it possible that the court would deny them permission to remove to be removed? And if so, do they have to go ahead and defend Miss Mosby, even though they've uh, brought up, you know, what they say conflicts that prevent them from doing so? It is it is certainly possible. Um, it is many people are surprised to find out that an attorney can't simply decide to step off of the case once they've entered their appearance. They actually have to get the permission from the judge uh, in order to step down. And while it's true, and there are there are situations where um, attorneys have asked to be removed from a case and judges have said no. Um, however, I would say it is less likely, um, in part because when the client and the attorney want to go separate ways, um, there's no reason to build into the case generally sort of an issue for appeal. And so usually, you know, this will be allowed to happen. Now, I will say it does cause cause sort of more delay. And that may be a concern for the court. It may be a reason why uh, the U.S. attorney may ultimately oppose the motion. Um, and it is certainly possible that the judge would would grant the motion with regards to Mr. Bolden, but not necessarily grant it with regard to other people in his firm. Their level of conflict is certainly lower than his personal level of conflict. And uh, in this motion, they say that they've discussed this with their client, Marilyn Mosby, who has agreed to be defended by people in the Federal Public Defender's Office. So it sounds like they're coming to the judge saying, we're going to leave, but we've found her another attorney, which is in the Federal Public Defender's Office. Um, but in order to be defended in that situation, you have to qualify to be uh, el- you have to be eligible to be defended by a federal public defender. What criteria does Marilyn Mosby need to meet uh, to uh, have the court allow that to happen? So there, there are there is a statute that talks about what you need to qualify in terms of how much money you have um, about your wealth to qualify for free representation, and it actually is it's not one specific number because it may take into account the kind of case it is and what it would cost to defend in that particular case. We know already in this case that the judge has granted uh, uh, federal funds to be used for hiring an expert witness. Um, I think it's great to note, however, that this is not necessarily a move down in quality. Public defenders are often fantastic attorneys. They generally have a representation, uh, a reputation that, well, because they're free, they must not be great, but the federal defenders are highly highly respected. So 
I would expect that this would happen and that um, Ms. Mosby would get excellent representation. What about the prosecution? Can they oppose this? Uh, and if so, does the court, are they obliged to, you know, take the prosecution's feelings uh, into account? Uh, I think the I think they they certainly are are allowed to oppose. I imagine there will be concerns about postponing this yet again. Uh, at the same time, the judge simply will weigh all of all of the arguments and make their decision about what's what's in the best interest of the process. Um, my guess is this will result in some postponement, um, but I'm, my, I'm I'm guessing, but we don't know for sure. I think it will ultimately be granted, but it's not an absolute guarantee. And right now, the trial is scheduled for March 27th. It's been moved uh, to that date a couple of times. Uh, it's been delayed. David Jarrow says, the faculty director of the Center for Criminal Justice Reform. Thanks, as always, Dave, for uh, straightening us out and uh, keeping us up to speed with what's going on in this very, very interesting case. Thanks for having me. Coming up, a new documentary film explores the impact that tax breaks to developers have on the city of Baltimore. Jane Miller, Stephen Janis, and Taya Graham join me to talk about tax broke. On the other side of a quick break, I'm Tom Hall. It's midday. Stay with us. This is 88.1 WYPR. 